<laughs> electric. Okay, what are we going to do about the electric? Like, you mean pump it? It's like, yeah, pump it. So, that was funny. Nobody's laughing now. That's too funny. Makes me want to run into the room. <laughs> but we're starting this series called Save People, Serve. And it's very important that the next few weeks that we preach on, on what that looks like. Because, and I shared this with you last week, there's two things that are have that Christians have the hardest thing doing. One of them is serving. The other is giving. Why is it that only 10% of the congregation does 90% of the work? Why is it statistically that only a certain few are faithful givers, tithe payers? Why does the enemy fight that so much? How, how come how come it's so easy for churches to have church splits and to have cliques in different churches? Like, that's not a problem. Like, every church that you go to has those things because it seems like the enemy strategically isn't fighting those things because he knows those things, when they happen, they, they, they diminish the power that God wants to do through his church. But I can tell you this, that when a believer serves, he grows. Amen. When a believer serves, he grows. If you have your Bibles, we're going to put it up there. Uh, and I'll share this with you, the reason why that it is, it is dark in here, so you can see the screen, because I've noticed throughout my, my short time in ministry, most people don't bring their Bibles anymore. It's, a, it's the cell phones, it's the glowing Bible, so we wanted to create an, ad, uh, an atmosphere where you can turn your Bibles on, and if you don't do that, then you have the scripture on the screen, and everybody can read what's going on, and now we know that everybody is reading the Word because the Word does not return void. Amen. Amen. Save people serve their friends is the first sermon of this series. Save people serve their friends. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that He was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? It is, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat? And walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turns to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through the stunned onlookers, and they were all amazed, praise God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Heavenly Father, I just ask you for your grace to preach this word. Yes. Father, I pray.
God, that they would not see me, that they would see you, that you would get the glory and honor. It's your word, God. Your word says that when it goes forth, it does not return void. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So, God, I pray, Father, that, that as this message is preached to your people, God, that there would be a reception in their heart, that their hearts would be anointed with change. Father, that they would understand the revelation of your word and they would understand the great commission, the mandate that's upon every believer's life. Help us, God, preach this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Save people, serve. And as I, as I begin to study this, this portion of scripture, I... It really something really jumped out to me because I've noticed some things when I read that before that I've never noticed before. And I love it when God begins to reveal to him his scriptures, fresh revelation. When you when you first get saved, you begin to read God's word, he reveals things to you, and as you grow as a Christian and you stay persistent in reading his word, he shows you something fresh and new. How many of you have ever been in the word and you're like, man, I never saw that before? That is good. Man, thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing that to me. Well, that happened to me with, with this portion of Scripture because it's absolutely amazing the miracle that happened early on in Jesus' ministry. And it's not so much what ministered to me was the paralyzed man having the miracle. That, that's a great miracle that he was dropped down and, and Jesus healed him and he was able to take up his, his mat and run through the crowd that wouldn't let him come in. That's another miracle in itself. But the thing that really ministered to me was his four friends. Because those four friends understood what it was to serve. They, they understood the importance to get their one friend to Jesus, no matter the obstacles, no matter the opposition, no matter what stood in front of them. Their goal in mind was to make sure that they laid him at the feet of Jesus Christ. Man, I wish we could have friends like that. Uh, I had my, uh, someone tell me one time when I was younger, said, Derek, if you can count your true friends on your hand, you're a blessed man. I would say to you today that that paralyzed man, I'm sure those four friends were friends that he could count on his hands, that were friends that he could depend on, friends that he knew no matter what, they would be there for him because their desire and their purpose was to get him to the feet of Jesus Christ. So think about what they went through. Now Jesus says in Mark chapter 1, Luke gives a, a more descriptive detail of the story, but we're going to go with Mark's perspective. Think about this. Jesus is moving and shaking. He, his ministry is, is being birthed. He just added Simon and James and John and Andrew as his disciples. He's hand-selecting his 12. He's already picked four. In Mark chapter 1, he's creating miracles. People all around Capernaum, all around Galilee, they're starting to hear about Jesus, the, the, the carpenter's son, doing these miracles, then casting devils out and healing people. Everybody begins to talk. You know how the, the rumor you know, is, it's a great thing when they say positive things. It's a horrible thing when they say negative things. But at this point in Jesus' ministry, they're saying positive things about his ministry. Now, the religious people and the Pharisees, they're sitting there trying to wait for him to make a mistake. They want to watch Jesus. Why? Because they can't understand how this guy would be a son of a carpenter. We know his father, Joseph. And all of a sudden, he's doing great exploits and miracles. We are going to come to him and watch him. Not because we want to, we want him to, we want to have an encounter with him, but we want to see him make a mistake so we can begin to crucify him. So Jesus is moving around the region doing great exploits for, the, for his father. We get in Mark chapter 2. 
Bible says that Jesus comes into a house. People hear that he's there. The Bible says that there were so many people in the house, outside of the house, that nobody, anybody wanted to come in, they couldn't get in. These four friends of the paralyzed man heard about the miracles that Jesus did. They heard about the great exploits. They heard about how he cast devils out and how he would touch people and they would be made whole. And they said to themselves, we're not trying to get to Jesus for us. Now, that's, now I understand we have to get to Christ for us, but they didn't have that mindset. They were selfless servants of God. They were selfless. They were not thinking about how Jesus could touch them. Their only goal was, hey, we have a friend that has a lot of baggage. We have a friend that we've known for a long time. He's paralyzed. We have to carry him wherever he goes. He has a lot of baggage. He's got a lot of issues. He's got a lot of discouragement. And we listen to him whine a lot, but we still love him. I got an idea. Let's get all the other friends together. And if we work together in unity, I think we can get him to the feet of Jesus. And if we get him to the feet of Jesus, I've got enough faith to say he will be made happy. Now they said, now we're going to get you. I could just imagine the story went like this. Just think about it. Jesus. Bob's paralyzed on the floor. I said, Richie, Tom, Brian, let's get some. Jason, let's, let's, let's pick little Bobby up. He can't walk. And every time we get to him, he's our friend, he's our brother, we love him. We've got to give him to Jesus. Now, he's got a lot of baggage. He can't walk. And we know if we're going to hang out with him, we're going to have to do all the carrying. So, you know, that's one good sign there that they, they were friends with him without expecting anything in return. You know, it's easy to be a friend of someone that's going to give. It's easy to be a friend that speaks highly of you and it doesn't have any issue. But what about you have a friend that every time you get around them, you understand that it's going to be you that has to pick him up and carry him. You see, that's a hard thing to do. Now, it's hard to be friends with somebody that can't give you nothing in return. And what I've noticed in the church in my 12 years as a Christian is we get around a lot of Christians that want to bless those that give and want to be around people because secretly they want something in return. Not us. Jesus. Now the paralyzed man is, is sitting there and these, these four guys, these four guys that come up with a game plan. Like we're about to serve Jesus by serving him. And, 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 and we, he's not going to give us anything in return. We're not going to get an accolade. They're not, he's not going to invite us out to dinner. There's, there's nothing that we get in return from serving him. The only agenda we have is that we want him who can't walk to be able to walk. And we're going to do everything that we have to do to get into the Jesus that we know in faith that will allow him to rise up and walk. Why? Because our love for him far outgrows our comfort. Our love for him far weight is far more than our time. We, we may not have the time, but we're going to make time. It may be uncomfortable, but we're going to, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to have to work together. People are going to look at us like we're crazy, but we're going to do it anyway because saved people serve. And the only thing that we want to do is make sure that we get to Jesus. Now, watch this. When you make a move to do that, 
and you're serving your friend without anything in return. You don't expect anything from them. You just want them to get to Jesus. Now, God will test you in that. God will have you serve people to test your heart. When they're not giving you anything in return, will you serve them? When, you, when, when, you're, when your main objective is to get them to Christ, and then when you do that, you find out that those people become some of your biggest blessings. Those people become the people. You're like, wow, may God thank you for that. Because he tests your heart. So these guys get together and they said, okay, Jesus is at the house. I'm sure, I mean, I wasn't there. None of us were, but I could just imagine if it was me. I know me, I would have walked up to him and said, now listen, quit complaining. Quit telling me it ain't going to happen. We've got a game plan. Well, what's the game plan, Derek? Well, we're going to carry you over to the house. To Jesus is over there. And we believe, and Tom believes, and Bobby believes, and Brian believes, that, and Richie believes that if we take you over there, Jesus is going to heal you. Amen. Yes. Of course, you can't fight us. <laughs> Paralyzed. <laughs> so, so they come up with this game plan, man. They grab this mat. And one of them grabs a corner. And they're carrying their friend to Christ. Now he's getting heavy. When you carry people that can't help themselves, the load gets heavy. See, here's the problem. It's easy to help people that can help themselves. But what if God asks you to witness to people that can't help themselves? You're doing everything that you can do just to carry them. And they're getting heavy. And, they're getting, and you're getting tired. They can't help themselves. You know that if you drop them, they can't move. That it's up to you to move them from one location to the next, to move them from a place of discernment to a place of Now, watch this. They can't get in there. Now, 
the Pharisees are in there trying to find out what who this Jesus is and who's this guy that has the power and, 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 and let's find out what he's doing. They say in Scripture, he's blaspheming God. He's blaspheming God. I told you he'd make a mistake. I told you he wasn't of God. They get to the crowd. Ain't nobody moving to let them in. I wonder if they were selfless Christians in the house. The disciples were in there. They're not even moving. He already called four of them. So the four believers are like, okay, we have, a dis uh, we have an obstacle. How are we going to get him to Jesus? What are we going to do? How we, we have people that stop. Thank you. When, what do you do when people stop you from getting them to Christ? How do you respond when the opposition that you're facing to get someone helpless to Jesus is actually the people that you're supposed to bring to Jesus? What do you do when the hindrances are the people? I, I've, I've had those. We started a recovery ministry in New York. And listen, I'm getting used to the New York way. To, I'm born and raised in Suffolk County, so it's been a long time. The New York way and the Southern way. It's like night and day. Yeah. Here's the Southern way. About 10, 18. 18 minutes, third song. Hey, man. We got here early. The New York way. Like 10 minutes before service, just start worship. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Nobody's here yet. <laughs> but we started recovery ministry in New York, and we, my wife and I, we, we, we had people actually tell us that if those kind of people come in, we're not going to your church. So I asked them, I said, well, what kind of people are y'all talking about? Unsaved people? So you're telling me that if unsaved people come into the church, you're not coming to church? Uh, I warned us, man. We have someone say people right now, right in front of me. They were in leadership positions. So, what do you do when God moves on your heart to bring people that can't help themselves? And I'm not talking about people recovering. There's business owners. Listen, there's business owners. There's there's marriages that can't help. There's people right now that are struggling that can't help themselves. They don't know what to do. Their marriages are falling apart. They don't know what to do. There's people right now that got all the money in the world, but yet they can't find happiness. They don't know what to do. I'm not just talking about the crack addict or the heroin addict. I'm talking about all walks of life. There are helpless people right now that are struggling in life, that are trying to find happiness in different things and cannot find happiness. There's an emptiness and a void in their life. They are helpless. They may walk around looking like they can move, but they're really paralyzed on the inside. And what they need is for somebody to come beside them, help carry them, carry them to the obstacle and the opposition of Jesus Christ and lead them to the fear of Christ. Even though you may look good on the outside, but on the inside you are paralyzed. Come on, man. So they carry them. And the first obstacle they run into is the people. I'm sure they say, can we can y'all move and let us get him to Jesus? So what that says to me is this. Is nobody was willing to move. Because they were thinking about themselves. 
Think about that. You know, our leadership team parked in the back because we want people to come up and not have to be uncomfortable when they walk. So we made room for them, which is selfless serving. Just park in the back so everybody else can park in the front. Now that's fine, look, except for when it's a thunderstorm. They're in the back. I wonder how I might remember. See people serve. <laughs> so they get to the room and there's obstacles. Now, here's the piece that is so amazing. They could have said, well, we, we gave it our best shot. We tried it. We got in there. Religion won't let us get through. I'm not going back to church anymore. Religious people. That's an excuse for us not to go back to church. <coughs> no matter what church you go to, there's always that. But here's what the four friends did. Jump down there first. You may just jump down there. Hey, excuse me, Jesus. Give <laughs> y'all give me one second. All right, drop them down. And they, three friends. Dude, this is powerful, man. They hold him. And they drop his feet down through the hole. Or maybe those two friends that jump down first. And then you can see his legs coming down from the roof. And I'm sure there were some naysayers now that crazy people do. Why do they do? Oh my God, that's going to cost us a million dollars to fix. I can't believe Look what they did to your house. What? Jesus freaks. What are they doing? <laughs> and everybody gets to watch an example of serving in the lowest form. The house is packed. Jesus knew it was going to happen. The whole place is packed. And they're watching these four men show them what a Christ follower is supposed to look like. So his feet come down. I would have asked him to at least let my feet go down for another head. <laughs> his feet come down. They grab his legs and they pull him. Another one grabs his head and Jesus is just like, man, praise the Lord. He's just sitting there watching like, I'll do y'all's thing, man. Let's use this to teach them what being, what being in the kingdom of God is really like. It's not the clear fingernail polish in the three piece suits. That's right. Here. And they sit cross legged like that. Anyway, <laughs> they drop them. They grab them. And they lay down. I'm sure the other two say, hold on, I gotta see this. They jump down, <coughs> they jump down, wiping off all the mud and the dirt. And the whole crowd is watching these friends show the love of Christ to someone that couldn't give them anything in return. And they lay it down. And now everybody is like, what is going on? That's what being a Christian is like. Save people, serve. And Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? He didn't say to the paralyzed man, your faith here, Jesus. He said, hey, 
your friend's faith. It wasn't your faith because it was up to you. You'd still be laying on that corner, helpless, crying and complaining about what God hasn't done for you. But it was the faith of your wife, the faith of those that have been praying and interceding for you. It's the faith of the ones in the intercessory room calling out to God. Christ, and Christ says, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. The faith of your friends 
guess what? You just had an encounter. Take up your mat and walk. And the Bible says that the same crowd that stopped him from coming in, he walked through them this time. He picked up his mat. He told Jesus, thank you. I'm sure he probably did his friends to man. Thank God you guys know how to serve Jesus. Because if you didn't serve Jesus by serving me, I would still be on that mat in a place of darkness, helpless. But because you guys were willing to work together and come up with a God strategy and build mission and community all around me, it was your guys' faith that put me up on the roof. It was your guys' faith that dug up the hole in the roof. It was your guys' faith that dropped me down through the hole. It was your guys' faith that laid me at Jesus. And now all of a sudden, I just got healed from Jesus. And now my life is so so transformed that I can't help but tell somebody else about Jesus. And that's how it works in the kingdom of God. That when saved people serve and they serve their friends, their friends get on fire for God. And before you know it, we find holes and roots all over the town because people are trying to get everybody they can to the feet of Jesus Christ. Somebody needs to thank God that there is some saved people. Those four friends got to experience something that changed their entire life. 
And that crowd, oh man, Jesus set them up. That crowd got to say, is that how it's supposed to be done? Sometimes we need to remind it. We get so comfortable in our Christianity. Is that how it's supposed to be done? We're supposed to bring people to church? To Jesus? Absolutely. Worship team. You know, uh, Brother Brian, I think that grave song, man, would be a perfect ending to tearing the roof off the place. Say you just worship team, sir.